This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. In sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. This is the No Off Days podcast, the Nod Pod. Chris Cato to my left, BK in the booth. I am a stuffy and nasally Scott Smith. I, I don't know what's going on. I feel great, but the, you can tell, right? You, you sound okay. I mean, you don't quite have your normal baritone. You are a little upper register today. No, what is it? Uh, allergies? Nose, it's the nose off days. The, the nose, <laughs> nose off days podcast. The snod pod. Um, yeah, I don't know. Ha, do you have allergies? Is no. there a, a pet dander, something no, like that? No, I do have a new pet, but uh, I'd like to blame him. I blame him for a lot of things, but uh, not the way I'm speaking currently. What is he? I feel like you don't want to mention his species. You just talk <laughs> about him. In ge- is it a pig? Is it a what? He's a golden doodle. Okay. Yeah. No, wait. Yeah, Those are hypoallergenic. Pop, you my, can't my blame pop. him. No, I know. He's Yeah, it's not his fault. But eating everything and, and going number two uh, all over the place, that is his fault. And so I can blame him for that. He's but doing yeah, that. that. That has nothing. Mostly him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I like to do, like, when I get nasally, I, what I like to do is the neti pot. Have you done the neti I, pot? I, I have done it, yeah. I, I don't like it, but I've done it. Now. Oh, I love it. It's like a internal bath. It's so weird to me. Yeah, it's like a going for a rip roaring ride down the rapids. Uh, but the problem is, is that like it makes you more nasally. It makes yeah. the problem worse. It cl- kind of clears you out, but you know, I don't know. Let's do, do it. You have any, Let's do any, it on the show here. Do you have any homeopathic remedies that I can uh, do that won't make me drowsy, so I can get through this show? I don't know, but the neti pot thing freaks me out because you just realize how connected our passages are like everything up here is just all running together yeah, right like it's, it's a way yeah. it, it gets to our brain that's how stuff gets in your well, brain yeah i mean you hear horror stories of like the amoebas some type of yeah <laughs> that's where we're going a brain rotting like, amoeba yeah. just because you have a stuffy nose that's not the way to fix it and that's why they say don't use the neti pot with water that hasn't been filtered because oh, you could just boy. be pouring an amoeba into your into your nose oh boy okay maybe let's, that's your problem okay let's bring in our our, our the podcast amoeba Brian the, King. The neti pod. <laughs> Just kidding. BK, you're not an amoeba. Uh, I didn't know how to transition out of that. That was quite well. Yeah. <laughs> He's so supportive. Have you, ever, have you ever done the neti pot? No, I've wanted to, though. <laughs> that and that, what's the... Uh, <laughs> what's holding you back? I'm well, going to bring mine. Well, no, I'm, I'm not. Mine. Yeah, let's share. Um, the, what's that navage thing? That's got, it's like a pump that yeah. shoots water up. At, it's like an know? enema for your nose. Really? Yes. From what I understand. But it's the same thing. It's yeah. the same like, concept. It's zero yeah. gravity. Right. Yes. Okay. So very good. Do you have yeah. any remedies for Scott's uh, yeah, what can sinuses? I, what can I do? Nasal uh, passages. Like, uh, do I eat like uh, lemon rinds and? Uh, How about some hot paprika? sour soup? Hot sour soup always works. Hot sour soup. Yeah, that always works for me. What? What's in that? Sauerkraut? It just makes it makes everything clear up. But it's what? Real hot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, like sriracha. In a way, I mean, it's fast food Chinese. Wasabi, okay. that's what I needed. Yeah, that's it. Yes. There you go. I Something like it. that. I'll clear Sushi's everything on the menu tonight. There okay. you go. Very good. What we got on the uh, menu Ooh, today? Great show tonight. I'm Something I'm really looking forward to. Uh, today we're going to have Dave Canales, New Bucks offensive coordinator, mm. joining the show. He seems, all we've seen of him is really during that one press conference. I'm kind of interested to see what, you know, how you guys can get the 
have him open up some, get to know him a little bit better about who this yeah, guy we'll, is going to be leading the Bucks offense. We'll put him on the couch. I feel what like we should ask the question that everyone else has asked him, which is, so you haven't call, called plays since high school. Well, how are you going to manage that? Start I want to know how the, he's like the buffest uh, coach in the NFL. I mean, he's probably, right? He's I mean, dude's up ripped. there. Yeah. Dude's ripped. Like, he's – We should ask him what he doesn't. His, there's no off days for him in the gym. That's no. for sure. What's so. his strength and conditioning plan? I'm going to ask him about marriage, too. The keys to a healthy marriage. <laughs> okay. That's a total non sequitur. Well, it. it feels like he could probably lend some good advice in that <laughs> subject. He's happily right. married. Very good. I like nice. it. Nice. Yes. Pry back the veil. Um, and uh, at the end of the show. At the end of the show, we haven't done this in a while. We're going to break out the uh, Nod Pod Gazette. Okay. Mm. Doing real headlines, fake headlines. That thing's still in publication. It's one of the very few that is. Is it just digital or is are we still printing? Oh, I'm printing. Okay. Yes. I heard there was a writer's strike though that was affecting your production. Yeah, Yeah, that hadn't stopped me writing. The only only problem (laughs) is our only paper boy is Chris. So there you go. I'm gonna get him out of bed at 4 a.m. to start doing this circuit. I don't, I don't do well with 4 a.m. Were you ever a paper boy? Did you ever do that? Scott, I grew up in the woods. We've talked about this. We didn't even get a paper. Really? Well, yeah. We, no, if we, honestly, if we you, wanted. Did you have an address? Like yes, an actual we, physical only address? Because, <laughs> only because 911 made us call ourselves a number. But it we was could not just a make paved, it up. It wasn't a paved road. It wasn't a paved road. No, really? two mile long dirt road. And we got to make the name of our address up because until, I guess, 911 came along. Well, anyway, was, for a paper. Did you have a name for it? Uh, <laughs> we just called it route something whatever. Oh, okay, gotcha. But uh, yeah, then. Yeah, don't get too specific. Okay. We, <laughs> we got strong... to name it after my grandfather anyway. Oh, when we that's, got to name that's it. pretty cool. Yeah. He wasn't happy because the road was full of potholes and no one liked it. So he thought it was, you know. I feel like BK would have been a good paper boy. He's got a good arm. He never delivered good, papers. Good arm. No? No. That was, always seemed was, like that was, uh, I mean, I grew up kind of at the cusp of where that was still a relevant job and, and young kids had it. And did you, it seemed did you fun. It? You got to ride your bike. Did you, you only, do it? You see, I never did it. Sounds no. like you have fantasized about it. I have. I, well, that's my retirement plan. <laughs> I want to be a paper boy. There are no newspapers left. <laughs> yeah, I'll be throwing something. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we'll, boy. we'll figure it out. We'll mailers. It. He's going to throw those packets of mailers the out. The Pot Gazette. Get your paper. Ah. <laughs> Special edition. Okay. Well, so we're, we're picking fake uh, or real headlines. Yes. Okay. Very Fun. good. Looking forward to it. Thanks, BK. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you are listening and you want to watch, go to fox13news.com slash nodpod. If you're watching and you want to listen or subscribe, take out your phone, zap the QR code on the screen in the bottom right-hand corner there. You will find all of our shows. Uh, the Nod Pod, it, it's like a soothing balm for all that ails you. We are the anytime sniffing, sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head, fever, <laughs> so you can rest podcast. Uh, please subscribe at fox13news.com slash nodpod. Use only as directed. May cause drowsiness. <laughs> Do not consume if Violent, <laughs> violent vomiting may induce. Um, all right, so getting into our talkers here, and you know we've kind of been on a theme here the last few weeks, um, and so I think today's theme as we dive into these headlines, Chris, is what would you do? Okay, so I'm going to pose, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to lay out the story. I'm going to ask you a question: How would you react if you were engaged in this story? If you were one of the key players, all well, right. Well, I do like to talk about myself, so. <clears throat> all right. So, well. pending approval from the other owners in the NFL, Tom Brady is set to take care of a uh, take over a minority share of the Las Vegas Raiders. Chris Cato, what would you do if you could purchase? And I don't know how what percentage. Nobody knows what percentage that Tom Brady is going to own. Mark Davis is still the majority owner, but. If you had 1% of an NFL team, what would you do? 
It depends on the franchise, first of all, right? Some of them are very well run. Raiders, maybe not. Okay. You know, they've had a lot of upheaval there in the last few years, dysfunction. Their interim president left uh, last year and said some things about, you know, the ownership, Mark Davis, and how, you know, how terrible and hostile it was. So if I'm in the Raiders, one, if I'm, you know, minority owner in that, then we have a new president uh, who came in, what, just, just this year and seems to have you know all the sandra douglas morgan uh has big time litigation attorney has worked for these huge firms nevada gaming control board uh it seems to be the person to to manage your front office and and write this ship so i'm i'm hands off guy really uh, yeah i'm gonna let this thing go and you know so maybe, nothing changes for you uh, unless things get off track no i'm gonna sit back and enjoy my my returns on my ownership and you know hopefully there's perks involved like i get a suite you know obviously in this beautiful stadium they play in maybe a nice parking spot but other than that i'm going to be hands-off guy what really? about you no yeah. I'm, I'm, what would you do i'm all hands in baby uh, -oh. uh so <clears throat> contingent upon my purchase of the raiders i would have mark davis and, and probably charles woodson uh both publicly declare in the tuck rule game that that was an incomplete pass so that's going to be contingent upon me. Taking oh, you, over. you are Brady now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is if I'm Brady, I'm, I'm stepping in. Uh, I'm going to have the final say on any quarterback that we draft or pick up through free agency. I'm the GOAT after all. You don't I mean, trust your boy, Josh McDaniels, who was your OC? I mean, trust is a, a kind of a delicate word. I'm, I'm Tom Brady. Right, so no. I, I'm gonna have that. I'm gonna have that control. Uh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna be a bad team with led by a bad quarterback. If if my name's associated with it, right? Okay. Um, uh, I'm gonna have a world's best boss placard. Uh, <laughs> that will be wherever I'm sitting in my suite. Uh, and then I'm probably going to be gallivanting the team facility in just my Tom Brady underwear. Yeah. And Brady we're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You would so. be an awful minority owner. <laughs> oh, of course. Too, too involved. Well, fortunately for everybody, I'm not uh, very rich. So there we go. Um, FSU among seven ACC schools. Uh, they're calling the Magnific Magnificent Seven to try to force their way out of the ACC due to lower revenues. Uh, they're expected ACC teams are right in the $40 million a year range. That's their slice of the pie from their TV deals. But you look at Big Ten, you look at the SEC, and you know the, the new contracts have not been out yet. But, I mean, it's upwards of $60 million. That probably fair? Yeah, big, so, big gap that's big getting gap. bigger. All right, so what would you do if you were FSU – and you were locked into this rights deal through 2036. Oh, man. I This is a pickle. I like what they're trying to do, I think, with this Magnificent Seven thing, although I, I think it didn't really – last week they had their spring meetings. You know, all of the um, teams uh, – all of the school's presidents uh, meeting uh, down in Florida and spending probably a lot more money than they need to spend considering the distribution revenues you mm. just told me about there. Who has the um, coupon? I think they're trying to – these seven are trying to flex and force – uh, the ACC commissioner to do something. Now, if, if I could do anything and I'm FSU, let me give you a short answer. I'm leaving and going to the SEC and saying, please, I should have done this 30 years ago when I had a chance to. Please let me in. So My begging and groveling. Begging and groveling. My biggest in-state rival, Florida, is in your conference, and I want a slice. You're about to renew your TV deal with ESPN, and you'll be distributing probably upwards of $60 million in the next few years to your schools. Please let me in. That's what I would do with FSU. But the problem is this ironclad grants of right deal that the ACC, you know, some – uh, brutal attorney drew up that has these schools locked in. So there's no way out. 
That's basically what you're saying. Doesn't look like it. It's just you you plead for mercy. You plead or you hope that one thing I think they're doing is they're asking these seven schools want the ACC to say, okay, if this is all the money you have to give out, then restructure our percentage in terms of uh, Clemson, FSU. If I'm making the college football playoff. Like an uneven pie? Yeah. Then it it, um, pay us based on our value to the conference. So if I'm making the college football playoff and I'm Clemson, or FSU's in position to do that now, especially when this playoff expands, I'm getting more money than Virginia or okay. you know Duke. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you would be able to quantify value. Um, you know, it's obviously not going to be based on simply results on the field. I mean, it's going to be based on TV. You know, eyeballs. Yeah. How many people? I mean, well, you can I, I quantify that, 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 but that is. I'm sure there's a there's a way. I think that that's interesting. I haven't thought about that piece. If that happens, though, that changes everything all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're not talking about equal revenue shares within conferences, then the, who's to say that the SEC doesn't do that and Alabama and Georgia start to – I mean, then you have teams like Missouri and, you know, teams yeah. that are going to – on the kind of the outskirts that are going to get a but sliver. Can't conferences, now, can't, conferences can do that, though. They all have their own individual. But the, but to my knowledge, none of them do that, right? Uh, yeah. Big Ten last year, uh, so Rutgers, Illinois, and someone – Rutgers, Nebraska, and someone else, who Maryland, who joined the conference later, didn't get as much as the other – 11 schools because they weren't tenured in right or, okay. exactly so there are there are formulas like that all right so here's here's what i would do and i i don't know all the legalese i don't know all the stipulations in this contract but I, there's two ways that i could potentially handle this if i'm fsu first off i'm going to ditch the whole name and the, the magnificent seven i don't think that that serves me well as fsu i think the best way if you're going to move is to grab a powerful partner that you can increase your value with. So if I'm FSU, I'm going to Clemson. And I'm mm-hmm. saying, let's work together, much like OU and Texas work together to make their brand more powerful. I mean, Shouldn't really, FSU- o- OU kind of clung on a little bit to Texas, but they both are both have you know power name ID. And I think together, that's a that's a lucrative package. If FSU is knocking on the SEC do- SEC's door and saying, hey, you know, take us because of whatever. Is, is FSU really the best brand out of the ACC that, that, the, that the SEC would want? If I package it with Clemson now, yeah. now it's interesting. Now you also have a little bit of embedded rivalry. So I think that ditching the other teams, like I don't want to take Virginia Tech or Virginia with me. Like no. I'm not trying to carry NC State into the SEC. But there's another way that I think you could play it, and I think it has a, it has a better long-term play. And that is trying to build a minus the magnificent. So I just think you open yourself up to more mockery than you do actually helping your cause. But if you can if you can grab other schools from conferences that are fading, like the Pac-12, you know, if I can grab a an Oregon or a Washington, if I can go. What about Notre Dame? Notre Dame. I mean, mean, partial ACC already. I mean, that that would be a huge piece. The problem is they are already grandfathered in with their NBC deal. Like it's that's a tough pull. But if again, if you can build, I'd say a unique conference. Yeah. And you take this idea to Amazon, to Hulu, to YouTube, to any of these streaming services, and you say we want to build our own conference. And if you're willing to pony up the money, this can be the Amazon 10. This can, I mean, you can have naming rights over the conference. I, I mean, the NCAA is kind of toothless. What would they have to say about that? Like if Amazon's going to get into that, 
I mean, I feel like that's the next wave, right? Like, if you want to beat the old the old guard of broadcast television, like, you got to get into a streaming service. Be the first to that. And be it by building a cross-continental brand, you know, like where you have teams from the West Coast, the East Coast. It's not, it's not regional. It's not the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's not the Southeastern Conference. This is... You know, you're the Amazon 10, you're the YouTube 12, whatever you want. I love that. Do. Idea. I think it could yeah. be a way where, you know, you start planting this vision to, That's, for the future. Can anyway. I tell you why that wouldn't work real quick, though? Right. Yes. Just with this grants of rights deal, any money you got from Amazon or whoever it was, you would have to give it to the ACC for until 2036 because of this contract. Right. But this could be something where even like propositioning this uh, as a down the road thing, like, let's say, you know, Let's let's target twenty thirty seven. So you're saying that this is a flex this is, move. This is yeah. Yeah. It's like, saying okay, that's fine. We'll honor our deal for the next decade, yeah. but this is what we're doing next. Gotcha. And I think that the pressure from that, and it'll get other networks kind of thinking on that same page. And I mean, if you go to Peacock, I mean, presumably you got Notre Dame, right? Yeah. So I think that could be a potential play. Good. Michael Block, uh, of course, the name we all know now from the PGA Championship this last weekend, finishes in the top 15. He is a club pro. He is a golf instructor. He buries a hole-in-one on the 15th, par 3, in the PGA Championship. And be, by by virtue of that, he essentially qualifies for next year's PGA Championship by cracking the top 15. I mean, an incredible story. It, it took more headlines than, than Brooks Kapka actually winning the championship yeah. itself. Here's my question to you, Chris. What would you do if you sank your first career hole-in-one in a PGA Championship to lock up an appearance for next year's PGA Championship? And, oh, by the way, pocketing just shy of $300,000. How would you celebrate? Because I thought Michael Block's celebration was very humble. It was very understated. It was almost like, yeah, I've been here. I've been here. What would you do? Yeah, well, there are two parts to that. The immediate celebration is you, you want to act like you're, you know, You've been there before. Yeah, you're next to Rory McIlroy. But it would be hard not to take my shirt off and whip it around, <laughs> wave it around my head like a helicopter, and then and then jump in some water. It would be it would be difficult. Find the um, pond. It was crazy the trajectory, the angle of that shot, how how could it go into the cup and not bounce it just it's it like just a barely touched the like just the lip. Steph Curry three from sixty feet out where the net doesn't move. That's I, what I don't it think was. I've I don't think I've seen that like uh, like a par three hole in one, on the fly no bounce. I, I mean I've hit, I've seen it hit the stick, I've seen it bounce obviously and roll. I, I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. Have Have you seen a hole in one in person? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> have so you, you hit all? So actually, I I back in the day I was I was manning a hole for a uh, for a golf event and I, so I was there was a giveaway for a car. Oh. I don't know what it was. It was a very nice car. If you hit the hole in one, uh, you win it. And so my job, my only job, was to sit there and just to monitor and make you sure. You had that one job. Happened. I was a witness to it. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I get distracted. I'm bored out there. I was probably checking my phone. And I see the guys at the tee box. They're all celebrating. They're going crazy. Oh, no. I'm like, what is going on? They get in their cart. They drive up. They say, did you see that? Did you see that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. And I think they're pulling my leg. I'm totally oblivious to what's going on here. They walk up. They reach in the cup. They pull out a ball. Oh, and I'm it, thinking, what are 
did he just put it in and pull it out? And I'm questioning him. Like, I didn't see it. Like, what are you talking? And they're just furious with me. What are you talking about? That's your only job, dude. And I'm like, I know. No. <laughs> this, is, this is hurting me, too. And so, um, but it turns out, and they were very gracious once they admitted that it was the, they had a pro in their group. They had a club pro oh. in their group. He was the one that hit the shot, thus disqualifying them from the car. Biggest relief I've probably felt in a long time. What would you have done if it hadn't been the club pro? I don't know. To this day, I don't know. Uh, your options are this. You, I feel like I would have been pressured to say, you yes, saw I saw it. Yeah. You, I don't. I think you would have had to lie because what's the alternative? You you didn't do your job. And oh, by the way, are you on local news? Are you the local? Yes. Sport? Okay, the, so I was there as kind of like the celebrity. <laughs> the, the celebrity. So guy. They, they would. They would. Oh, it was this horrible. would haunt you for the rest of your no, career. I, I know. I, so I'd rather be. I'd, I guess I, if I were going to make a mistake, I'd rather side on the, the the folks that you know made the incredible shot potentially. Or got the car rather than you know the I guess the, if the car lot loses a car right. it's not the end they've of the already world. they've already written it off anyway but right? if this guy makes the shot of his life and he doesn't get a car <laughs> because I'm an idiot and I'm checking my phone that to me that's worse so oh boy I don't know. I'm glad you didn't have to make that was what so a PGA pro hit the was it Michael Block was this was he was <laughs> it could have been I mean he's what 46 47 years old if I yeah maybe he could have been that guy. Well, uh, so yeah, that's uh wow. That, what a pickle you're in. Uh, yeah. But short answer, if I'm him, I'm celebrating like a someone should not celebrate in, in the PGA Championship. Yeah. And then secondly, long terming it, I'm uh, gonna enjoy my 15 minutes of fame. And I think he's gonna have longer than 15 minutes of fame. But I'm gonna seize on this 16. opportunity yeah. that he has been presented because he's gonna get to play, as you said, and future next year's PGA Championship. Also, he's already been invited. He's playing this weekend in the Charles Schwab Challenge. And then the following weekend in Toronto. But so anyway, he's going to have a window here to make some money. Yeah. So I'm going to here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to live. I'm, I'm Michael oh, Block. Nice. I'm, I'm going to say if poll. you'll pay Dustin Johnson 100 mil, you'll pay me what? A mil? Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll play. There's no cut in live. I'll, I'll play a few events. Yeah. May, maybe I make a top five there and you win. What the last live tournament was a four million dollar purse, so top that, five's got to be pretty solid, that's, right? That's a good way to spend. This. Then I take my my dirty Saudi money and I take it back to California, where you know he's the club pro, and I open. Um, I instead of just handing out lessons at, at you know whatever Mission Viejo uh, course he's on, I open my own block school of golf. Okay, and call it the building block. <laughs> and and then I oh, and then I'm I'm all over it. I've got marketing. I've got these infomercials. And the first thing you see when you watch my infomercial is that hole in one on the fifteenth hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think you can have maybe a soundtrack of like from New Kids on the Block? Yeah. Or you can like <laughs> also trademark the slogan. I've been around the block. I don't know if anybody's trademarked that. Maybe you could own that. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, I yeah. That is. Uh, I can't top that. I mean, my only reaction would be I would celebrate. Like I have not been there before because I have not been there before. I would I would probably do something similar. I'd be in the crowd. I would soak up that moment uh, so I would never forget it. Um, it I, but again, hats off because he he handled it cool and he's probably way more mature than than I am to be able to do that. But um, that's good stuff. What All a right. story, right? Yeah, America's sweetheart. All right, now let's get to our last story. Little League in New Jersey uh, is coming up with a new rule to force parents that fight with an umpire during a Little League game to have to be an umpire for three games. What would you do if you were that Little League? You're trying to crack yeah. down, or any Little League, you're trying to crack down on what everybody knows is a problem. 
parents that are way too invested they get they go way hard on umpires for bad calls and that kind of stuff they they don't keep it in proper perspective what do you do to fix that problem well i love this idea by this little league yeah. a creative hopeful solution to what's been an awful thing they've had two umpires quit on them this season these umps aren't paid to take this garbage um but i feel like this may backfire on them and here's mm. why you know we've been to these games where there's that guy in the stands that's just belligerent like you said just way too invested and thinks he can do it better knows he can do it better and maybe this would be his door to oh, doing something okay. to get himself punished and now oh i get to umpire for three games now yeah. i'm gonna get out there and show you how it's done so you're saying the profile of this guy he loves the attention. he loves it and he's gonna be yeah. a he's a madman in the stands now he's gonna be a madman on the field and oh, yeah. you know messing up your games and then you're kind of doubly punishing the other fans the players everyone so i feel like this could backfire on them what i would do instead is just say okay you get physical with an ump uh let's say you're verbally you're a frequent flyer on verbally abusing yelling at uh you're done for the game but if you get physical with an umpire which we've seen some horrible videos of umpires just getting cold cocked by these stupid parents uh you're you're done you did you're banned from the ballpark. You can't earn your way back in. Yeah, I, I think a lot of, I mean, my boy plays Little League. I've seen this firsthand. Like, I know of people that have been banned. Uh, and, I mean, his last game, I, there was a parent on the opposing team. I thought he was, like, way overboard. And I wanted, I, I felt like if if we, if someone from our side goes in and engages, it creates a bad scene. You yeah. don't want to do that in front of the kids. It's incumbent upon other dads on that team to be like, hey, dude, pipe, pipe down, yeah. you know, if, if you feel like you know the guy. But these sometimes you have to handle these guys with kid gloves because they're running hot. They think that they are entitled to their opinion and to share it with everybody, obviously. I think the only punishment that I see fitting is to punish their child. <laughs> that is the only are way. You, are you serious? I, I am serious. Uh, and not, you know, I think that if the, if the parent refuses to calm down, and he's he's guilty of any one of these things physically i mean physically i think police have to be involved and then yeah right. a restraining order from the from the little league but if it's if it's verbal abuse if this guy has a reputation for i think that at some point you have to punish the kid as a way to get him under control if if dad can't calm down son has to miss a game son has to sit out an inning son has to like, mm. or daughter like wow. i think that that's it's not i know it's not totally fair but how you're trying to stop the problem, right? Yeah. I feel like that is the reason he's piping up is because he's projecting he wants to be his kid. He's like feeling it viscerally. Yeah. And that's that's a way that you can get him to pipe down. Right? That's tough though, man. You that's want little it, Johnny on the pine for the big playoff game. But it's not little Johnny's fault that his dad's It's, a, it's not. I mean, that you're, you're Johnny's probably already embarrassed that his dad's acting like this in the first place. So you're punishing him twice now. I know. I oh know. Oh my gosh. It's, it's awful. It's a horrible you're a tough, situation. You're a tough commissioner, man. But I want to crack down on the problem. <laughs> That's what I want. That's the highest goal. All right. right. What do you what do you say we talk a little football? I hope so. All right. Let's bring in our guest. Well, Chris, our guest today has jumped into the driver's seat over this Buccaneers offense here in 2023. Brand new OC in Tampa Bay. We welcome to the No Off Days podcast, Dave Canales. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Coach. Uh, so, you know, mid-80s today in Tampa. I couldn't help but look at the temperature over in Seattle where it was probably about 60 today. How how are you adjusting after 13 years in the Northwest to, to the beginning, just the beginning of summer in Florida? Oh, it's great. So I'm from Los Angeles, California. So... 
you know, when people say it would, it's a nice day in Seattle, it's like, you know, well, you can't <laughs> fool me. I know what good weather is. So, um, but I did enjoy it in the Northwest. Um, you know, we call it home. And uh, my wife, Lizzie, she's from Redmond right up there in Seattle. So okay. um, spent a little bit of time there. But yeah, I'm adjusting. I love it. Um, it's like it's like the uh, end of summer out here. So my kids are loving it outside fishing every day. Uh, we had a great weekend. I think we ended up in like three different pools on one day. That's a good Just day. Everyone's got a pool. So it was, it was really fun. <laughs> We're having a good time with it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, has it been 24-7? You've been kind of on the job here for a little over a month now. Have you been able to enjoy some of Tampa yet, or are you just kind of in the facility uh, around the clock? No, I've, I've gotten out, and, uh, you know, my one of my primary uh, roles was to do a little recon for, for my wife and the kids, you know, to just find some fun places. You know, we found some favorites already. Armature Works yeah. um, is a spot that we – um, you can see us there about once a week right now, um, just getting a little dinner or grabbing ice cream. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been able to uh, kind of, you know, poke my head in a bunch of different places and some really nice places to eat here. Well, that's the key is finding there are a lot of good splash pads, too. I've learned when you've got a little one in these humid summer days, not come, for adults. No, actually, yeah. the, there are a couple where you can put on the uh, put on the old rash guard and just run through the sprinklers <laughs> with them. And people won't look at you like you're some weirdo either. That's uh, no, you got to find that's part of Florida living for sure. You got to find out where those are when you're not uh, scooping out fun things for the family to do. Where are you right now, Dave? In fact, just before you jumped on here with us, you, you were in a meeting. Uh, where are you guys right now in in your planning? Yeah, so OTA one. Um, and what we've had a chance to do is we've gone through the core of what we're going to do offensively twice, um, leading into today. And so just getting on the grass for the first time, the linemen, the tight ends, uh, being able to, to get their hands on somebody to feel what the combinations look like, uh, in the run game. Um, and then, you know, for the wideouts to, uh, start to add a little bit of their stems going into a real secondary getting off the grass. So. Um, yeah, I think the, the critical part for us right away um, as a group is to all uh, start speaking the same language about what techniques we're looking for with bodies in front of us. Um, and today, the goal was just great effort um, and clean before the line, before the snap at the line of scrimmage. And I think we had two flinches today on a full day. That's not bad. So quarterbacks and centers have been really dialed in, communicating a lot, um, just making sure that we have clean operation to the snap. Uh, Bucks offense the last two years has, has led the league in pass attempts, and we know that there's going to be a greater emphasis on the run game under you, under your leadership. Uh, what is the reaction to guys that will probably be mostly affected by that in your receiving core, names like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Uh, it's been excitement. I think um, when you look at what we've done in Seattle over the past 12 years, really, um, you see a lot of production out of the receivers. You see a lot of production out of the tight ends and the backs in different ways. Um, just last year, you know, we had 2,000 yard receivers and a thousand yard back. Um, would have loved to see what happened if Rashad Penny was healthy the whole year. Um, so the system does allow for balance. And um, the cool part about it is while you may not be getting, you know, those 15 pass targets a game, the ones you get, um, they come off of play actions. They come in known pass situations and the, the play action world, you know, creates a whole nother explosive element uh, to the run after catch. Um, and the yards per catch. So, you know, just showing the different wrinkles that we can put on there, um, the way that it all fits in, the attack and the approach, moving parts with simple concepts. You know, the guys have been really excited 
uh, and just employing different tempo packages and those things. Um, they've been really supportive and uh, they're excited about what we're doing. So we ha haven't had any, uh, you know, any negative backlash at all about what we're doing. Good. Let's get to the QB questions. You know, that's your sweet spot there. Everyone knows what you did in Seattle with, with Gino and you had Drew Locke in a, in a competition last year and you're credited with the wonderful season that Gino Smith had. Uh, so when we look at Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, it's easy for us on the outside to kind of plug in Baker as the starter because he's thrown a hundred touchdown passes in the league versus Kyle, I think is thrown like seven or eight passes. Uh, but why is it so important for you to have a real competition, a true competition at quarterback? I think it's partly just respecting the team, respecting what's best for everyone. Um, and then also respecting Kyle's process, you know, comes in as a second round pick with high hopes. And um, obviously what a great thing, you know, he's, he's, you know, Tom Brady has been here, so he's been able to learn from him, but at the same time, he's worked really hard to try to have an opportunity to show what he can do. Um, and on the flip side too, I think Baker's, you know, he, would he love to just be named the starter? I'm sure. But Baker also knows, you know, this is, this is his road back too, you know, and he's um, from Cleveland to Carolina, LA, you know, he's been told no a couple of times. And so for him to be able to come out here to, um, to win the team over in his own right to perform and to show them that he can be the the caliber quarterback that he believes he can be, I think I owe it to both of them um, and the team to put the best guy out there. Um, and I shared this in a press conference last week. Um, going into a season with a true competition like this, where both guys are repping, what what you end up having is whoever wins the job, you end up having a really strong quarterback room, which is what I saw happen in Seattle, where you have two guys who are, who are in the mentality that I'm prepping to be a starter the whole time so there isn't that let up of like well i'm just the backup you know or even though when you're in a backup role you have to prepare yourself like you're going to play every week it's not the same thing as if i'm going into this preseason game i'm trying to win a job i need to do things right and so it's a, there's a heightened awareness um, and accountability to being able to do your job um, and it brings a lot of value to the team and to the room but at the same time, I mean, I'm sure you want to give your whoever you guys end up determining is the starter a certain amount of runway. Is it ideal to take up, you know, to not make that public declaration until week one? Is it I mean, how, how much runway do you think is necessary for the guy to know he is the starter week one? You know, I don't really have a plan for that. And obviously there's there's people that I answer to, too. Um, so I think that for me, it's it's really just kind of approaching the, tr the training camp situation and into the preseason to get the full evaluation. But, um, you know, what's the fun in just naming somebody right now so everyone can settle in and say, hey, this is our guy. Um, again, this team is not waiting around for us to pick a starting quarterback to get mm -hmm. going. This is an established defense. This is a team that has some real pieces on the offensive side. And the system is the most important thing right now it's not like everyone's kind of waiting for this quarterback to take charge and like, you know, lead, lead us into, you know, what we're going to be doing this year. So um, I just like it. I like, I like the conversations. I like, you know, answering these kind of questions and being able to talk through this whole process, because I think that we're all going to learn something, you know, throughout this process in the camp. Coach, can I just follow up on the, the, the Geno Smith decision last year? Cause here yeah. you had a guy that was, he goes in, and he's kind of, I guess, from the outsider's perspective, presumed to be a bridge quarterback. 
and here in a year's time, he turns his entire trajectory of his career around, goes to becomes a Pro Bowler, becomes a, a, a legitimate franchise quarterback in Seattle. What was the tipping point? What was the thing that you saw that you guys recognized as a staff uh, in Geno to kind of draw this out of him? Yeah, I think, first of all, like, I am so grateful that I was in that situation because you really had a guy who had been through a lot, had played behind some great players. He's had some hard, some hard knocks early on. Um, but you know, he was with, um, he was with Eli Manning in New York and he was with Russell for those years, you know, um, I'm missing somebody. Um, he's time in the, oh, Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers. Okay. Yeah with the chargers. So think about those guys that he played with. So he's just collecting data, collecting information about plays, how to get to things, how to plan his week. And then his personal belief in who he was never wavered through the process, even though it had to be hard. You know, we had those hard conversations. So for me, it was, it was more about convincing him to trust the work that he put in, trust his instincts and the things he'd learned over the years. Um, to be able to cut it loose. And what he showed us pretty quickly was he was gonna make smart decisions with the ball. And I think he was gonna be like 82% completion in the preseason minus a couple of drops. Mm. I mean, it was it was a fantastic exhibit of playing in the the playing within the confines of a scheme, throwing it to the first open guy in progression, not getting bored, taking the completions. Um, where Drew had a really good camp as well, but he turned the ball over in a little bit in the preseason and kind of made the decision for us, you know, because, you know, what what people didn't get to see was this fantastic physical talent and Drew Locke on a day-to-day basis in camp like like I did and like Pete did and, and the offensive staff in Seattle, where it made you think, like, holy smokes, like, what do we have here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for Gino to be able to, like, put it to bed going. I mean, we're, we're talking about, t- we're taking that competition into the last preseason game in Dallas. Um, so it was such a great learning uh, experience for me that I can't help, but just appreciate the situation we're in now with having two guys with real talent to be able to, to fill out and get for them to show the team, show the coaches who it's going to be. And they'll show us. They don't have to look far to find that inspiration. I mean, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of inspiration, you know, in an earlier interview, you said that part of the excitement of this time of year is the marriage within the offense, finding a way to marry the run with the pass. What's more difficult, installing a new offense like that and and helping carve out an identity or co-writing a book about marriage with your (laughs) wife? Which of those is tougher? Definitely co-writing the book. And so... Because in the book, you know, it's, it was just revisiting a lot of the mistakes that I'd made in marriage, my Ooh. wife, uh, revisiting a lot of those hard times that we went through. And so, you know, it's like we, we did counseling together, but then writing the book, we did it separately so that we could kind of have two different stories. Um, and it was a really cool process to come out on the other, other side of it to read each other's side and realize I remember this situation way different than she did. But, you know, just just really hard, painful things that I think that uh, a lot of people just kind of sweep under the rug and move on. But, you know, these are the same issues that come up in marriage, come up in life. So that was for sure um, harder because of just, you know, the it's like pulling teeth, you know, going back through 
dragging myself back through the mud of like these, mm. these hard lessons where here it's like this fresh start, you know, and it's something that I've been really looking forward to for a long time. And, um, you know, one of my mentors, he would always say, we'd talk about offense and I'd have a complaint about a play. He says, Hey, if you don't like it, go get your own offense. And I'm like, yeah, you got <laughs> easier said than done. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll follow up on the book real quick is the Tony Dungy wrote, wrote the forward. And by the way, the book is called this marriage question mark. You didn't come on this podcast to promote a book, so I'm doing it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Tony Dungy writes the forward. What is the significant, what is his significance in your life? Uh, well, to I got connected to Tony um, by one of my friends, Andre Curtis. And Andre uh, invited me out to a coaches fellowship uh, fishing weekend in Minnesota that I go to every year. And Tony started this group 22, 23 years ago. And, um, you know, really, it's he's got a heart for coaches um, in this profession, especially six months out of the year, we're working seven days a week, we get home late, we leave early. And we try to find every window possible to hang out with our wives, our kids, anybody else. And so, um, and he really has a heart for, for guys like me who are trying to do this job with integrity, trying to, um, trying to lead men, trying to lead people, um, and, uh, you know, doing it, doing it really God's way with a faith-based, uh, mentality. And so he's been such a great mentor for me, even over the last three or four years, um, getting passed up for off offensive coordinator opportunity in Seattle, um, different, you know, changes that happen, different challenges, you know, should I be asking for this? Should I bring this up? You know, being able to bounce those big picture questions off of him with all the experience as a head coach, coordinator, those types of things. Um, he's been really just really critical and instrumental. And so when, when I got the call that I was going to interview for this OC job in Tampa, his face was the first one that popped up in my mind mm -hmm. um, to be able to be here close to him, to get to know Eric, his son, um, has been really, really cool just the last couple months as we transitioned from Seattle to Tampa. I, I didn't think that the interview would go this way, but I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, what is the key ingredient in marriage, Coach Canales? Communication, honesty. I, I've just learning that, like, um, my wife and our motto is it's never a good time, so it's always a good time to talk about hard things. Hmm. I really don't want to bring it up because it's going to be a fight. Um, I probably should bring it up mm -hmm. or, um, you know, and that obviously with the things that are lighter that covers those, but it's those harder conversations where, you know, I feel like my, my time priorities or lifestyle are conflicting with our communication and our marriage. Well, that's a good time to talk about it. Vice versa for her. She's so loving and respectful with how hard this job is. She realizes how stressful this time has been. And she tries to be, as sensitive as possible to when she brings things up, but there's just never a good time. So it's, it could be on a Wednesday night, I got home at 10 30 or 11 o'clock at night. And she's like, before too much, uh, too much water gets under the bridge. Can we talk about this? You know? And so for her having the courage to say, he really doesn't need to hear this. We need to talk about this. And for her to bring those things, she doesn't want to, but she's, She's committed to it. I'm committed to it. And it's, it has given her the green light and vice versa to bring those things up um, as they come up, not years later, where then there's just all of this unpacking and unraveling um, that you have to do uh, going back to, to different things that come up. So 
Well, I, you know, Tony Dungy's, uh, you know, his reputation as a coach is is really the formation of the whole person as, mm-hmm. as he dealt with these young men coming out of college. So I think maybe, Coach, you need to slip that book in as mandated reading to <laughs> to some of your players here in the offseason. But they, I know they have a playbook to get to as well. I, I Before you go, I, I noticed the Azusa Pacific helmet there on the background. That That is where you – you start as a wide receiver back in the day. Do you uh, flip on the old game film to show Mike Evans and Chris Godwin what you did back then? Absolutely not. I was <laughs> I was horrible. So I had I had one good season. That was my last year. Um, but otherwise, I just really enjoyed football. So I was out there and run like crazy, and I'd get an A for effort, and I couldn't track the ball like these guys down the field. So. Uh, I made my transition to coaching really quick. Yeah, I think you found your niche. You sure did. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales on the Nod Pod. Very good. Uh, that, yeah. w- that went a direction I didn't. I feel like that was a holistic interview. You can always yeah. thank me for taking the interview <laughs> off the rails. You thought we we're going to talk about football, but it no, was appropriately taken off the rails. I appreciate that. We're talking about marriage. I kind of wish I'd read his book about two years ago. You got to so let's bring in BK. BK, are you? Do you like that we kind of went a, a softer side with with Coach Canales? It was that was different, right? It was different. I think I'm we glad learned he opened something. up. It, not not a lot of coach speak. I mean, very very thoughtful answers. That was that was a great. Interview. I think it may take this podcast in a new new direction where we actually give people helpful advice. Can we do that? I don't know. <laughs> Would anyone listen <laughs> to us? Spent a lot of time bickering. Yeah. I don't know if, yeah. Well, anyway. Uh, all right, BK. Our final uh, dip into the uh, Nod Pod Gazette, as this uh, dwindling publication is still no, somehow. No, in... we'll, we'll keep it alive. Okay, okay, we'll good. keep it alive. Good, good. good. I'm going to give you some headlines. Yeah. You tell me if they're real or fake. Okay. Simple enough. Okay. Get my hang my on sniffer out. Let me Google your <laughs> sniffer. It's broken, but let's go with the first. Get it going. Study out of Sweden, men's control issues. The study concluded that men who insist on controlling the remote control have more medical issues down the road, like lack of focus, <laughs> hair loss, than men who share the clicker. True or false? Uh, this oh, fake or real? I should say. This sounds like a silly story that is connected loosely to facts that uh, are not actually linking the two. But I don't put it past someone to to put that out. So I'm going to say a real story but a fake issue. Yeah, a foolishly spent money on a study that was unnecessary. No, I'm All gonna, studies, almost uh, all, <laughs> almost all. I'll go the other way. I'll say this is, uh, wait, did you say this is real? I said it's a real yeah. story, but okay. a fake issue. And um, I think it's a fake story because I feel like a man who is in control of his remote has a happier life, a longer life, and, and better and a, hair. Yes, flowing yeah. locks. I mean, I can say <sighs> that I'd never release control of my remote and look at this look at this quaff <laughs> look at that yeah Ever since so you I'm, got those plugs back I, in the day i'm man. going fake fake story it's a 100 fake ah okay that, all right okay that came from the, the old bk yeah it did. golly you thought bk a lot of... do you share your remote control with your uh, wife no because she she can't pick tv channels well oh, oh. So you're a sexist pig but, no. Bri- but brian your hair um <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> I think <laughs> that was your thesis, right? That was. That okay. was. All right. 
You ready for the next one? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, Dome Sweet Dome, a climatologist who is getting some support from several major league owners, says MLB Dome teams have an unfair advantage in games in runs scored and faster pitching due to their lack of effects from climate change. True uh, or false? Fake or real? I think that's real, yeah. uh, but uh, I think it's hooey. Go ahead. Yep, same. Uh, because I did hear recently there was this whole, again, a wasteful study on has climate change caused um, you know home runs to be hit more frequently because the air is warmer? So you're making a positive case for climate change. Well, do you like offense in baseball? <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but well, there goes dome, the ozone. But a dome would help your pitching if this were true. I'm going to say true story on a dumb issue. Uh, it's 100% fake. Oh, BK mm. got now, us may, Somebody again. may have done some. I'm sure there's some study yeah. on, on that. No, but that, nothing yeah. with the. Uh, you know, sliding the rays in their production of late. Okay. How about this that one? That's a good one. Aliens Among Us. A Stanford professor is 100% sure that aliens have not only visited Earth, but are currently living among us and have, have been for quite some time. I feel like I know a few. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can name names if you'd like. Do they look like the guy that's we'll on the that conversation up here. <laughs> Do they look like the guy in the picture there? Because I think we would know if he was living among yeah. or she. Yeah. Oh, that guy, <laughs> his eyes are so enormous and black. His head. I will never loan him a cashmere sweater. <laughs> it seems like he might want to put a shirt on. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to uh, – no, you weigh in first. All right, well, I think because Brian's given us two fakers, this one ha – and plus it's Stanford, so this has to be real. Yeah, I don't want to play the odds. Um I'm gonna say because it's a, it's coming out of Stanford. Are really are they really doing that? Are they really saying that? Uh, there are some loony bins out there, but I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna say that is a fake story. That is 100% real. Okay. Mm. Yeah. By real, you mean probably. Well, he, <laughs> probably not this real. guy believes it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Does he have? Does he? What proof does he have? He says there's government documents that are kind of sealed. That only that, he's seen. That he, yeah. well, no, that that proves it. And plus, uh. Okay. What, can we see these public documents? I know there are sealed documents. I just know. <laughs> I haven't seen them. I saw it, but then I had to reseal it. Okay. And let me tell you what I saw. We got aliens. Is this Mr. Fo Rogers was an alien. <laughs> Professor Foghorn Leghorn. All of a sudden. <laughs> I, I see. I see that boy. His head's too big to be human. <laughs> he came zipping through the parking lot on his big UFO. <laughs> How did we get that from Stanford? Oh, well, that's good stuff, yeah, man. Okay. All right. We have another. One. You want another one? Yeah. How about a pit crew poser? You uh, fan during this weekend's truck race at uh, North Wicksboro oh, really? found himself thrust into making a pit stop for one of the teams. Glenn Wade says he was watching the round of pit stops Fake from the man. pits when someone handed him the signboard, which allowed the drivers to see where to stop. Wade was afterward, this all happened, was escorted out, but later allowed to return after the mix-up was explained. Wow, there was like way too many details in that story. <laughs> but he's given us a lot of details on these other fake ones too. Yeah, but Glenn Wade. That's a perfect name for a NASCAR Glenn fan. Wade definitely lives in North Wilkesboro. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, unless it's Wade Glenn, and that's a totally different guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that is a real story, and I love that story. And how have I not heard of it? Real story. For that reason, I'm saying this is a fake story, or Brian would have brought this up in our pre-production meeting when we were talking about possible talkers. <laughs> what, were we sitting on this? This yeah. has got to be a fake story. 
It is 100% fake. Okay, I'm 0 for 4. But Beautiful. there was a fight during the race. This made headlines and almost used this. Was a fight during the race where two guys got in a fight. Guy got escorted out. And then he got arrested when the guy came back into the track because he wanted to see the end of the race. He was afraid he was going to miss the race. He said, hey, I'm going to sneak back in, stuck back in, and he ended up getting arrested. He couldn't find a television, wow. I guess. Yeah, I guess not. Brian, what levels of security would you have to go through to actually be a poser in a pit crew? Oh, it, it's tough. What's the biggest it was issue? Tough. I mean, everybody in the pit crew is going to know, like, who's uh, who's this Wade Glenn guy? You, 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 <laughs> it was Glenn I'm Wade. sorry, Wade? <laughs> Glenn? It's, uh, yeah, just first thing came Is that us. your neighbor? Dwayne Wade's is, brother. No. Is Glenn Wade your neighbor? No, he's not. Okay. But I was going to, you know, I thought Sean O'Neill to be too obvious. Yeah, that's oh. true. You know. Director, yes. Um, yeah, I think it would be difficult, right? You'd have to get through security, but they have people down there. I mean, fans have, you know, pit passes. Years ago. Yeah, that's true. Years ago at Talladega, someone before the race hopped in the pace car and drove the pace car around. Wow. That's awesome. The track, the state troopers were chasing this video. It's great video. Ch chasing this car, and they actually stopped him on the, the backstretch, drug him out just like, you know, the cop show. <laughs> Beat and, him uh, mercilessly. Yeah, but he stole the pace car. And no, just, no one's catching me if I'm in that pace car. Well, I well, got to do I got You ain't getting me out of here before I do, do some donuts. <laughs> yeah. I know that's in happening. In the infield. Yeah. All right. That was fun. That I was fun. It. Yeah, the Nod Pod Gazette. Go out and get it wherever publications are sold. Uh, which is nowhere right now, apparently. <laughs> Brian yeah. works hard on that, though. We yeah. appreciate no, him. That was good. The creativity. graphics department. If you, if you're, again, if you're only listening to the show, there's a whole element that you yeah. can see. Go back and look at that alien. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, and what Chris's shirt is that he's wearing right now. Look like he grabs it out of his dad's closet. Too many buttons undone on this baby. <laughs> a lot of squares. Um, all right, very good. Uh, to watch full length. Episodes of this year's podcast, head to fox13news.com slash nodpod or hit the QR code on the screen. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Get us every week in audio form. We also uh, have uh, some social media pages that, mm. Mm, yeah. I don't know, Nodpod Gazette or our Facebook page. Fake news, real news, How? what gets updated more often? We should start putting the Nodpod Gazette headlines on our very seldom looked at that would be uh, social media yeah. and it might give us some traction do you think i could use this t time to petition somebody to become a um, uh, free worker yeah for the nod pod Is, to uh, be our social media yeah. guide uh, glenn wade give us a call yeah we know I, you're I, out there yeah, you're a sneaky guy you got some ideas up your sleeve all right very good uh big thanks to uh dave canales go get his book this marriage yeah uh and then our crew of course chris cato brian king uh, was Sean O'Neill directing today? Sean, let's give you credit either way. Chris on the jib. Uh, everybody here at NodPod headquarters. Until the next time we are on, there are no off days. We won't take one. No, we refuse. Mm -hmm. I need to give my nose an off day. Though. You do. Navage that thing. Navage.